Well, we've been in a series on Colossians, and we're going to continue, and I'm going to kind of jump into it because we've got a lot to cover. But as we're thinking about this, I, I wanted to, th- to ask you, do you remember those mazes that you'd play? Uh, I don't know if you ever went to the doctor's office, or maybe you had a subscription to highlights, but they had a bunch of different things, but sometimes they'd have mazes. And, and the thing about a good maze is there's only one way in or out, right? You don't want to, and a really mean maze doesn't have a way out. I don't know if you've ever seen those where there's a starting point and there's an end point, but they're not actually connected. Well, sometimes I think we think of life uh, as, a, as a journey and as a process of navigating, and in many ways it is a maze. And today I think that, that Paul is going to encourage us that the way to get through the maze of life is to stay connected with Jesus Christ. Not only because he is our guide, but because he is the way. Um, he plays a unique role as the, the way through which we navigate this maze, but he's also our guide through it. So we're going to read out of Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. So if you'll stand with me, we'll read this together. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you, that you invite us into fellowship with you by means of your Son, and that there is no other way, no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And God, as we are standing under your word, I pray that you would help us to see the, the pitfalls, the, the wrong turns in this maze of life that would try to, to draw us away from your path and your way. And God, I pray that you would connect the dots between the, the struggles and the situation that the Colossians were facing and the struggles and the situations that we face. Pray that we would not be so arrogant as to think that we've moved beyond the challenges that they faced, but we would recognize that we need you, God. And Lord God, I thank you for your gospel that frees us from the obligation to do, do, do in order to be, be, be. God, I thank you that you call us into being so that we might do. Be with us right now by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You can be seated. So I would encourage you to go back and read this passage again. We don't have to do it right this moment. We're going to cover it and we're going to talk about it. But I recognize that it's a little um, left of what we normally might want to say or speak about or, or read in church. You know, this, this section, you're never going to go to, there's no Lifeway bookstores anymore, but you're never going to go to a Lifeway bookstore or that, that good books kiosk at Wegmans and see like a mug that says, you know, therefore let no one disqualify you, blah, 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 blah. Like that's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to, you know, you keep reading and, and it's got in block letters, asceticism, you know, self-made religion, you know, like some of those like love, peace, and those, those word bubbles. You're not going to get that. And I recognize that. Okay. So for the next 30 minutes, Let's just dig in and recognize that, first and foremost, this does apply to our lives. Um, that the Colossians are, were made of the same stuff that we are, and we are tempted in the same direction as they are. He starts out and he says, therefore, and he goes on and he talks about these, these different things that the Colossians were being tempted to, uh, well, they're being judged by. These false teachers were judging the, the believers in Colossae and they were being tempted by these false teachers to believe other things rather than Christ. And so the main point that, that Paul has really been working out throughout chapter 2 is this, don't try to connect with God by other means than Christ. Don't try to connect with God by other means than Christ. And specifically in this section, he's saying, don't try to connect with God by means of shadows or syncretistic spirituality. I will, I will parse that out. Syncretistic spirituality, but simply by Christ. Don't try to connect with God by shadows or by syncretistic spirituality, but simply by Christ. Let's talk about shadows. Verses 16 and 17, they say this. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Those, those phrases refer food or drink, regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. Uh, commentators aren't quite sure, but we, we think that it has a great deal and it has a lot of connection with uh, the, the Jewish faith of the time. That, that they, these teachers, whatever they were teaching, whatever the, the heresy, the, the erroneous teaching that they were promoting, it had connections with the Old Testament. But it wasn't good connections with the Old Testament. We see in the Old Testament there are, there are clear prohibitions on food, uh, foods to eat, and, and the language of substance and shadows, it says in verse 17, uh, these are shadows of things to come. So Paul is saying that those pointed to send things to come. So we believe that somehow they related to the Old Testament, which was intended to point to, to Jesus, who is the substance. Um, in, in 1 Chronicles, Chronicles, you don't have to go there, it's in the Old Testament, um, but in 1 Chronicles um, chapter 23, we hear the phrase that, that sounds very similar to what, what Paul is talking about. In 1 Chronicles 23, verse 31, it says this, and when, whenever burnt offerings are offered to the Lord on Sabbaths, new moons, 
and feast days according to the number required of them regularly before the Lord. So there's, we see in First Chronicles, and if, if you want to keep looking, you could look in Ezekiel 45, verse 17, if you're taking notes. Um, and there are a few other references, but in the Old Testament, they will use phrases like um, new moons, Sabbaths, feast days as a way of describing some of the ritual procedures that the, the Old Testament believers participated in. They were given to them by God. Right, The sacrificial system <clears throat> that we all love to learn about in Leviticus, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's given to the, the Old Testament believers so that they would have a picture once the, the real Lamb of God came. So it had a purpose. Right, The sacrificial system was intended to point to the fact that blood has to be shed to cover sin. Right? And in the Old Testament system, the, the Sabbaths and the the Sabbath was given so that they might know that they're dependent upon God, that in order to receive the rest of God, they need to depend on God. And Jesus comes as the ultimate Sabbath. So these were not bad things. In fact, they were good things, and they were instituted by God. But they were shadows. They were shadows. You know, if I saw my wife walking down the street, and I saw her shadow, and maybe the figure of her shadow, I was like, oh, my wife is coming. That's great, but then I don't go and try to hug the shadow, right? That would be problematic for so many reasons. The shadow points to the substance. You, you, you can't connect the two, and one is connected to the other. The Colossian heresy involved elements of, of Judaism that were trying to take shadows and turn them into substance. But, but Jesus is the point. You know, just by way of, just as a side note, the, the Bible, we're just going to go real quick and cover it all. Um, in Genesis, God creates everything, and it's good, and it's perfect. He creates man and woman as an expression of his rulership and reigning in the world, and it's all very good, right? That's creation. Then chapter 2 happens, and Adam and Eve blow it. They, they, they mess things up. You have the fall. Oh, no. And because of the fall, everything after that is affected by the fall. The, the, the earth is affected by the fall negatively. People are affected by the, the next generation. Literally the next generation, you have murder. right? Cain and Abel. And, and it just gets bad. Uh, and so you see throughout the Old Testament this progressive um, process by which the, the wickedness of humanity is, is brought to bear. You know, even to the point that, that there's, there's no one who's doing good things and, and God brings a, a, a flood and he judges the, the people, but he chooses Noah and his family and kind of presses the restart button with them. He goes to Abraham, who is, he, Abraham is not a good dude, right? He's, he's worshiping the moon. It's not like God was looking like, huh. oh, he, you, you're, a, you're a good Bible-believing, you know, God-loving. No, he was, he was a, a pagan uh, idolater. And God says, you know what, you're going to listen to me now, calls him out, and begins to use him. And we see through Noah, we see through Abraham, we see through Isaac and Jacob, and then the kings and the prophets that God is establishing and preparing for redemption. Preparing for redemption. We see in, in Moses this leader who is amazing, and yet he has such a hard time guiding the people of, of Israel. If you read Exodus you see that, that they're just knuckleheads. They're called stiff-necked, right? The picture is one of, uh, you know, we're driving down the road and, uh, on, on our way from, from where we live to, to here, and we see lots and lots of cows. And 
I had this thought the other day, and I was like, cows are big. Why don't people ride them? And I think part of the reason is because they're stiff-necked. They're not, they're not easily, uh, they have to be driven, right? And, and the Bible pictures us as stiff-necked. And you had Moses who was trying to dr- bring the people of Israel into what's called the promised land, right? Party time, good times, lots of food, it's tasty, it's great. And, and at every point, they're fighting him. And, and when Moses passes away, or before he passes away, he says, there's going to be a better prophet. There's going to be someone who's going to step into my place, and he's going to be a better prophet. You have Saul as established as the first king of Israel, and then David, who is a man after God's own heart until he ruins everything and uh, has an affair and then kills the, the husband of the lady he had an affair with and, and messes a lot of things up. And God says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make a promise with you. He makes a promise prior to that, that he's going to establish his kingdom, and there's going to be a king who comes after who's going to be better than David. You have these prophets uh, in the section of the Bible that, that many of us like to skip, um, these prophets who come and they basically say, this is what God, this was the agreement, this is the covenant that God made with you, and you're not holding your part of the bargain. And so these judgments are going to come. And, and the whole point of that dance where you'd have the people of God in rebellion, the, the prophets coming to, to bring pronouncements of judgment, was not just because God was mean or angry, but it was because he was saying, you need to come back to me. If you will come back to me, then, then I'll bring the blessings that are associated with this covenant. And we see throughout the prophets that they were not able to bring about the change that was needed. So throughout the Old Testament, we see that it was pointing to we, us needing a greater prophet, a greater king, and a greater uh, priest. The Old Testament points to Jesus. That's my point. The New Testament we can talk about later. I said we're going to talk about the whole Bible, but the New Testament expounds on Jesus. But the Old Testament points to Jesus, and it's a shadow. So it's not bad to appreciate the Old Testament. In fact, I would say, please read your Bibles. Please read your Old Testament. But don't read it as some weird, disconnected, like, I don't know what this has to do with anything. Because Jesus loved his Old Testament. And, and the, the, the apostles, when they preached... They preached from the Old Testament, by and large. So here we see that, that they are treating the Old Testament shadows as the substance. He says, don't do that. Jesus is the point. But don't, they, they, they didn't just stop there. It goes on and says in verse 18, let no one disqualify you. Right? Now, they're judging them. These false teachers were standing in judgment against the, the Colossians, and, and he's, they, he says that they're attempting to disqualify them, saying, maybe you guys aren't even saved, right? This is not good stuff. And he goes and he says, let no one disqualify you, in, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason in, by his sensuous mind. Asceticism, that is just a really challenging word to know which, you know, is it a hard C or a soft C? Uh, you know, but it, it, it's, it's a word that refers to being harsh with yourself, usually related to your physical body, for the sake of producing something positive. Ascetic behaviors. Um, it might be the thing where you say, oh man, you know, I really blew it this week, so I'm just not going to eat any cookies. Like that's, that's like super base level ascetic, like that's not really... But that's beginning to get into the idea. But, but even the idea of, of wearing uncomfortable clothes to, to be more pious or, or um, putting yourself in, in painful situations. It's likely that they were fasting. 
right? They talk about visions, and it's possible that they were, they were starving themselves in order to get into this kind of ecstatic state. We're not sure exactly, but, but clearly they're saying that there are some practices and some harsh behaviors that you can adopt for yourself to become more spiritual. They, they talk about worship of angels. They talk about focusing on visions. Now, we're, we're a, a, a charismatic church. We believe that, right, the Pentecost, we talked about that. We believe that the Holy Spirit came, that he was given uh, as a gift from God the Father and God the Son, and that, that he indwells every believer and that he fills us for the, for the sake of ministry, for the sake of, uh, of sanctification, and that he's active today. And sometimes that, that involves things that could seem kind of ooky spooky. Like, you know, we believe that God speaks through people uh, submitted to and, and under the authority of Scripture. But he, he, he'll say encouraging words. When we, when we baptize individuals, we'll take them and we celebrate. And afterwards, and we, we ask God, God, what kind of encouraging, upbuilding words would you have us speak to them? And, and we believe that God speaks. Again, nothing contrary to Scripture. We don't say that, you know, what Eddie said or what, what so-and-so said in a moment is equal with Scripture. We don't judge Scripture by what is said, right? We, it's this way. Scripture's right here. It's all our ultimate final authority. But we believe that God moves. But the, the challenge is that in, in pursuing all of these other things, God has given his Holy Spirit, what, to, to glorify Christ in our life. God has given his Holy Spirit to help us to be sanctified. And what is sanctification but becoming more like who? Jesus. But, but these teachers were, were kind of pursuing spirituality for the sake of spirituality. And here's the thing about that. If you pursue spirituality for the sake of spirituality, you will find spirituality. Okay? It, the problem was not that they were just, you know, they were just having a moment and really just waiting to have this ecstatic experience and nothing was happening. The problem was they were having experiences. They were having visions. And now to, to, to make it potentially even more weird for some of you, if you're not receiving a vision from God, there's, there's really kind of two other options. It's either your mind or it's demonic. Right? You could have we're talking, you could have an angelic visitation or something like that. The Bible doesn't say that those things don't, hap don't happen anymore. I wouldn't say that by and large they happen often. And if you have someone who brags about it, read Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. Um, so I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but, but if, the, if, if that happens, fine. Sent by God, great. But, but it's possible to have spiritual experiences apart from the Spirit of God. And, and what I would say to you is that's not what you want for your life. That's not what you want for your life. And, and we can write this off. I'm, I'm, I'm just so nervous that if we read this, we're like, oh, those guys are weird. But I know that if you go to Barnes & Noble today, you can find weird stuff. And the reason weird stuff sells, the reason alternative spirituality sells is not because it's boring or ineffective. The reason it sells is because people have experiences. They think that they're, they're receiving things from God. Things actually do change in their life. Maybe potentially they, they find love and they get money. Because the, the enemy of their souls is in control of this world and he's capable of giving them the desires of their heart if the desires of their heart isn't God. 
They were pursuing shadows and saying, you know, let's look at the Old Testament apart from Christ. And they were saying, let's look at these other options, spiritually speaking. You know, I see a lot of power in crystals. Let's, let's, let's see what we can do with crystals. I see, I see a lot of, you know, I know Jesus is great, but let's talk about other forms of meditation. Not just reading the Bible and, and mulling over it, but let's just talk about emptying ourselves and, and seeing what comes. I'm being sarcastic. Please don't do that. The goal of any spiritual endeavor ought to be, the ultimate goal of any spiritual endeavor, really any endeavor of your life and my life, ought to be God's glory. In Psalm 115, it says this. Psalm 115. You guys will get there before I do. Um, Verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 10, verse 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, right? If this is a Venn diagram, it's everything, right? Eating, drinking, spirituality, all of it. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In Romans chapter 11, Verse 36, it says this, For from him, talking about Jesus, from Jesus and through Jesus and to Jesus are all things. To him be glory forever. Right? Does that sound like there are other things that deserve glory? From Jesus, to Jesus, through Jesus. Is there any other preposition that we can use to talk about some sort of vestigial alternative? No. It's all about Jesus. Now, the awesome thing about Jesus is that you don't lose your personality in coming and worshiping him and glorifying him. You, this, is not, this is not, you know, the, what was it, the Borg back in the day where you got uh, assimilated? So, some, of, some of you get it. Some of you are like, nerd alert. Okay. Um, but there, there was this, this uh, science fiction, I think it was Star Trek, and, and, and they would assimilate. That's not what God does. He doesn't turn you into a Jewish you know, Palestinian man from, from 2,000 years ago. He somehow creates and forms the character and nature of Christ in you, in your unique circumstances, in your unique gifting and character and, 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 and personality. And he says, in that, glorify God. Alternative spiritualities are, are bad, not just because they go bad places and do bad things, but because ultimately they miss the point of of our spiritual existence. We exist not just as body, right? There's an intangible portion of who we are. Call it what you want, soul, spirit, you know, unseeable part. But, But we exist to relate to God. And that relationship is one where we reflect his awesomeness. Where where we become little mirrors and he is the sun and we reflect his light. That's what your life is made for. Now, our mirrors are shaped differently, and so the way that you reflect it will be different from the way that I reflect it, but that's what we're called for. And if we pursue um, alternative spirituality, is what we're doing is trying to use the tool of the mirror for a purpose other than reflection. You don't need to add to Jesus. You know, again, you might not have, you know, Joe Colossian coming to you and saying, oh, man, you know, I had this amazing experience, let me tell you about it. But, but I can tell you, if you just turn on the TV, you're going to hear some craziness. I mean, I've, I've heard, I won't name names, but 
such and such talk show host is going to say, you know, let's talk about this tasty new uh, meal and let's talk about this new type of spirituality in the same breath. Like, we, we just made tachos and, and, and they're delicious. You should do it as a side note. But I could see that happening. Like, we're gonna, in our first segment, we're going to talk about tachos. In our second segment, we're going to talk about how you can get closer to the God of the universe through um, eating tachos. And, and, but it's out there in the world and, and we take it in. We take it in. This is why I ask you to read your Bible. This is why, if you're new, this is why I don't use a, I like to have an analog Bible so you can see that this is a Bible. Read it. It's important. Read it every day. Um, Because this is how we know how we were designed to relate spiritually to the world and to God. Um, We don't need, we don't need to add to Jesus um, so he says, don't, don't pursue substance or don't pursue shadows and don't pursue, uh, alternative types of spiritualities. He says, instead pursue Christ, pursue Christ in, in verse 19, it says this, you know, they, they, they do this. Don't let anyone pass judgment or disqualify you by insisting on certain things and not holding fast to the head talking about Jesus, from whom the whole body is nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, and it grows with growth that is from God. See, unlike these things, which would try to suggest that they can produce real growth in real life, vitality is found in Jesus. Paul uses the language of the body and the head, and Jesus is the head, and in the picture that he uses you know, the head is the place where life comes from, where strength comes from, where vitality comes from. And if you want to disconnect yourself from that, we all know that that doesn't look good. Um, it's, it's grisly, it's gory, and it's lifeless. He says, stay connected to the head. If you want to grow, if you want to experience life, if you want to have vibrant, vibrant spiritual experiences, for the sake of God's glory, if you want to know that you know that you know God, if you want to connect with him on a, on a deep level, you don't need to go to Barnes & Noble to find the latest and greatest spiritual guru. You need to go to Jesus. You need to stay with Jesus. In, in Jesus, we receive res- resurrection life. Right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you are alive together with Christ. Right. In Christ, we receive wisdom, right? Do you want to pursue, you want to understand how the world works? Do you want to understand? Don't ask, you know, this person, I'm trying really hard not to name names. <laughs> Don't ask this person. Ask God, who gives us his Holy Spirit, Christ, who is the truth, and, and who has given us his truth in his word. In Christ, we receive everything that we need. He goes on and he says that in Christ, not only do we receive what we need, but we, we die to shadows and syncretistic spirituality. That word syncretistic, by the way, it's, it's this, like, let's synchronize. Let's, let's get together, which, which in corporate world is fine, whatever. But, but when it comes to religion, it's not fine, right? We don't want to take Christianity and add other stuff to it, like, oh, you know, barnacles, let's, this is fun. No, we, we want to keep our faith pure, so that's what I mean when I say syncretistic. 
Uh, in Christ we died as to shadows and syncretistic spirituality. Verse 20 says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the word, world, and we talked about that last week, but it was this idea that the world, the physical world is, is full of things that we can elevate to an ultimate level and kind of worship and kind of relate to in a, in a spiritual way. If, if, if we've died to that practice, you know, of, of elevating our, 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 you know, our food and drink and, and whether or not we're dieting or whether or not we're doing such and such or to a level of, of spiritual good or badness, if we've died to that, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? And he, he quotes some, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, referring to things that are perishing as they're used according to human precepts and teachings. Why are you doing that? Paul's saying, these things, they're, they're according to human precepts and teachings, right? They're, they're not real. They're not, they don't reflect ultimate reality. They don't reflect ultimate truth. If I come out and I write a book and it's Eddie's book of awesome spirituality, what value does it have? Right? I'm a guy. I've lived not very long. What do I know? I might have some insights and maybe like one or two things, but by and large, I don't know things. And certainly not enough things for you to, to base your life on that. And everyone in this room is like, yeah, I know that. But, but we, we gravitate to our favorite teacher, blogger, preacher, influencer, and, and like, we, well, this 20-something drinks this drink and they live this way and they have these habits, so I should do those things. Why? Because they did it and it worked for them. Great. I'm glad it worked for them. They're not an expert, even if they call themselves an expert. Certainly not an expert on life. He says that we've died. Why would you pursue these things if you've died to them? Why would you pursue these things if you've not just died to them, but in dying to them, you've received something so much greater? Don't innovate on the gospel. If you've received the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ... And the, the implications that follow, right? Jesus died on the cross. Or Jesus is this perfect uh, God who takes on human flesh. He's 100% God, 100% man. Put it together, still just 100% a person, not 200%. God becomes man. He lives a righteous life wherein every Old Testament flaw that we saw, we need a better king, we need a better priest, we need a better prophet. Jesus was better. He fulfilled the law. And then he goes and dies this horrible, terrible death on the cross. But he gets buried and he doesn't stay dead because he wasn't guilty. Right? Death is for those who are guilty. He wasn't guilty. He rises again on the third day, vindicated. The Son of God, power over sin, Satan, and death. And that gospel for our life means that when we trust in him, trust in his life, trust in his death, not in our own ability, then we now can relate to God in righteousness. We can, we can come to God not as guilty, criminal sinners, but we can come to him as, as, as children of God because Jesus has taken the punishment. We talked about that, right? How God took the, the record, our record, and nailed it on the cross. That means that we can stand righteous before God, not because of our behavior, not because of our, our good spirituality, not because of our, our rituals and our habits, not because of anything that we do, but because of who Jesus is. When we, when we hold on to that gospel, we don't need to innovate. We don't need to add to it. Right? Do, you, do you feel far from God? What you don't need to do 
is to try and, and be more spiritual. Now, I will say this. If you are far from God and you are in rebellion against God, then you need to repent, right? If, you are doing, if, you, if you're doing the wrong things, you know, if you're, you're not living the way you should be living, you're, you're living in sin, you know you shouldn't be doing this thing, but you're doing it. And if you are, you, you know, because right now you feel a little sweaty. If that's you... You, what you don't need to do is to find 10 steps to a greater spirituality. You just need to repent. God says do this. I'm not doing this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to obey God. That's repentance. Turn away from your sin. Turn to God. Right? But what you don't need to do is to add more stuff. James tells us that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. You don't need candles. You don't need um, you don't need crystals. You don't need a special place. You don't need to go out into nature. You can just, right now, pray and say, God, come near, and believe that he will come near to you because of what Christ has done. Do you feel the weight of your sin? You don't need a new Savior. You don't need a better Savior. You don't need a 10-step process to become more moral. Now, you may need to repent, like we just talked about, right? Good, old-fashioned, gospel spirituality. You may need to repent, but if you've repented of your sin and you're walking in fullness and faith, then all you need to do to, is to say to that guilt, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8. That's not Eddie's words, that's God's words. And you need to walk in the faith that what Jesus did was enough. He died on the cross for my sins, past, present, future. And if I've repented of those sins, if I'm not walking in those sins, if I'm not holding on to them as a, as a sort of safety net, but I'm, I'm walking saying, God, I've repented, but I still feel bad, Believe the promise that there's no condemnation. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? No one. It is God who justifies. It's Jesus who justifies. You don't need a better religion. You don't need better tricks, and, and you don't need a better process. You need to go back to the gospel. Do you want spiritual power in your life? You don't need another power source. Right? Some of you, you love the Lord, and, and, it's, and, and it's good, but, but you, sometimes you're like, but what about that thing over there? You know, Jesus plus this, you know, whatever the latest and greatest prayer thing is or worship thing is or, or um, you know, spiritual teacher who, who, who says Christian things and does Christian things, but their behavior and their practices begin to elevate themselves above Christ. That's insidious. Right? Some of us, we would not be in danger of, of saying, oh, Gabriel, let me worship you. But, but we would say that I love Jesus and I want more of Jesus, but because of my situation and I'm not getting what I want, I'm going to try a little bit over here. And it's just a step in the wrong direction. You don't need another power source. You need Jesus. And in, in Ephesians, Paul prays, and he doesn't pray. I, I pray that you would, you, would, you would discover all the different power sources that God has given to you. I pray that you would, you would find the multitude of ways that you can, you know, have spiritual depth and, and, and uh, vitality. But he says, he says this. Um, he, he prays that, that we would come into the knowledge of, of the power of God. He, that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, verse 19, according to the working of his great might. What, what great might is he talking about? That he worked in Christ when? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above 
every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And in case you're confused, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Right? You don't need you know, some really big uh, D battery. You don't need a Tesla battery when you can plug into the, 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 the generator itself. Generator's not the right word. What's the word? Transforming station. Right? You, you pass those transforming stations where you're kind of like, please don't give me cancer and you keep going fast. Right? You don't need batteries if you can plug directly into the power source. Simply Christ. Shadows and syncretistic spirituality do not have the power to change us. That's, that's the thing, that's the worst part of the, about this thing with, with the Colossians. As they're pursuing this, they're spending time and energy and probably money on it. And, and what does he say? These, verse 23, indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. Right? They, they have an, it, looks, it looks smart. Right? You look, you, oh man, Bill, you're, you're kind of super spiritual, man. Like, I know. They have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. In a set. You know, I, I, I go to church on Sundays, but then afterwards I go and do this other practice. And it's, uh, it's very deep. Um, it's very rewarding. You may not have read about it. It's in this book. It's not, not in the Bible, but it's, it's like the Bible, uh, but better. Um, and he goes, and they have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, asceticism, and severity of the body. You know, what you need to do, what you need to do is to stop eating this thing because it's evil. And I say that as a joke. And, and if you have to stop eating things for health's sake, do it. But don't turn it into a weird spiritual thing where you're now better than other people because you don't eat that thing or you do eat that thing. You know, I'm better because I eat bacon and I'm not, I'm not pushed around by all these people who aren't eating pork. I don't know. Just wh whichever camp. Just find yourself in the camp and, and don't do that. <laughs> um, he says these things have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism, and severity to the body. But here's, here's the death knell. They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. In, in adding to the gospel, they had nullified the gospel. In pursuing alternative sources of power, they had become impotent, lacking any power. And the danger family, when I was a youth pastor, just as we close, there were some studies done on kind of what's, what's the prevalent thinking of the youth today, which was like 15 years ago, so it may be different. But there was, they, they came out with, uh, there was a guy named Smith, you can look up, I think it's Christian Smith, could be wrong, but he, he came up with this term MTD, Moralistic Therapeutic Deism. And, and the idea was that the world... And, and some, some forms of Christianity weren't talking about the gospel as much as they were talking about being moral, pursuing God as a God who heals all our, all our weaknesses and problems and pain, and he kind of lets us live our life. And the, the danger of it is there's elements of truth in all of that, right? God doesn't want us to be moral. He doesn't want us to be immoral. He wants us to be moral. He does meet our needs, our greatest needs. Sometimes, though, we kind of mix up which is our greatest need. And, and the deism piece, that's wrong. God is, he's with us. Jesus is with us. 
He is Emmanuel, God with us. And, but the problem was they, they had taken that hook, line, and sinker as, as this, is what, this is what my religion is. But a religion of moral, morality and pursuing God for the good things he can give you doesn't produce life change because it doesn't take you from death to life. It's just zombies walking around trying to be nicer zombies. God wants to take you from death to life. And he wants to take you, if you're alive, from glory to glory. But that doesn't happen by self-made, self-established, self-glorifying religion. It happens when we stay close to Christ. Guys, we're walking a maze. It's a good maze. I'm thankful for my life. I'm so grateful to God for this life I live. But there are steps to the left and there are steps to the right that can get you in the wrong place. And the moment that you think, I'm not susceptible to this, Pastor Eddie, this stuff is arcane, it's old, it's primeval, it's, it's just, it's outdated. That's the moment that you just step right in it. Right? Because this, he talks about, I didn't even talk about it, but these guys are arrogant. Right? The first mistake they make is thinking that they can do it without Jesus. No, thinking that they were experts. We're not experts. I'm not even an expert. I mean, some of you are like, yeah, we know. Uh, no, but, but I'm just a guy who's, I'm, I'm with you. I'm trying to, like, tell me what to do, Jesus. I, I, you don't become a pastor and, and, and realize, I've really arrived, and now I'm going to teach everyone I, all the things I learned in seminary and be totally awesome. No, I'm, I'm being disciplined and challenged and, and changed and, and transformed by the grace of God through his word as well. You don't graduate from it. And so he encourages us, hold tightly to Jesus. Hold tightly to Jesus. Last, last week we said that Jesus is the pole that keeps us in the twister. <laughs> this week, Jesus is the guide that gets us to the maze. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for the many, many blessings that we receive in your gospel. And Lord, I'm, I'm freshly just struck by my need to just think about and appreciate all the things that you give us in the gospel. Lord, I pray that for everyone in this room who, who is surveying his or her life with the pain the challenges and, and the areas of sin that we face, that you would, you would make Jesus bigger in our eyes. Maybe Jesus was not big, or maybe Jesus was big when you first came to faith in him, but he's, he seemed to have shrunk in the face of all the challenges that you have. My prayer, God, is that, that those individuals would see Jesus for who he is, mighty and powerful, able to save, sanctifying, healing, strengthening, loving, loving. If you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. Today's the day to turn away from sin to everything you know to be disobedience toward God and to turn away from your own ability to try and get there without Jesus and to trust in him. If that's you, if you want to trust in Jesus today, can you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you.
Once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Just really simple. God, I turn away from my sin. Help me to walk and to live obediently. But let me trust in you, Jesus, for all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love you, family.